Welcome to Healing with the Masters. We are so delighted that you've chosen to hang out with us for this series of speakers, inspirational wisdom, powerful affirmations, invocations, activations, prayer, and healing. Healing with the Masters represents transformation to ignite your light and to show you a framework of possibility for moving into a new way of being in your life, modeling that for others in your life, and changing the whole planet. Enjoy this powerful series. Now, if you're interested in joining us live, then just go to hwtmpodcast.com. That stands for Healing with the Masters, hwtmpodcast.com. Register there for the current season. And did I mention? It's free. Join us absolutely free. You just have to register. But for now, enjoy these shows because they created the most amount of transformation. They created the most amount of buzz, insights, and miracles of possibility. These are just as powerful as the day they were recorded. The vibration and energies are still present and available for you. And if you're listening to them, it's because you're ready right now. Know that you helped to create this content. Your desires and intentions have brought this very broadcast here before you. So listen, engage, and enjoy. And again, if you'd like to join us in our live season, remember to go to hwtmpodcast.com. You just have to register. Join us, experience the light, absolutely free. Now enjoy this show. Welcome everyone to Healing with the Masters. Here we are. We're in volume 13 and I want to welcome you to this powerful season. This 2014 set of seasons is unique in that it's our second year of the Aquarian Age and this is a year of let's get her done. <laughs> this is our soul group opportunity to commit to our journeys, engage in our lives and in the process and together make a difference on this planet. We are so delighted that you chose to hang out with us this season, and I want to remind you that you are beckoning forth all the content on this and every show of this season of Healing with the Masters. Your intentions have brought forth this very moment, so everything is here for you. That's what's so powerful about the Healing with the Masters community. You create the content through your intentions. I also want to remind you that the healing part of our name means transformation, realignment, and repatterning. It means you are on a pathway to change it all. And we are so excited at, about, at what you're about to create. Now, you may think that the masters are the remarkable speakers that we bring on each week, but we know that you are actually the master you are seeking. All of the answers are within you, and the master teachers you're hearing on this series are giving you nudges and hints as to who you truly are, that bright, sparkling light of being and love that you are. I'm so glad we've all come together in this beautiful community and together are truly making a difference on this planet through everything that we are co-creating. So thank you for joining us. Now, today, I am so excited to welcome Mark Waldman. 
Mark is the world's leading expert on spirituality, communication, stress, stress reduction, and the brain. He is a specialist in neurowisdom and neuroscience. He's on the faculty of Loyola Marymount University's renowned executive MBA program, and he was a founding member and associate fellow at the Center for Spiritual Living and the Mind at the University of Pennsylvania. His research has been published in peer-reviewed journals throughout the world, and his work has been featured in Time Magazine, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Oprah Magazine. He has appeared on PBS television programs, on Oprah and Friends, and on many national radio and television programs. In fact, in 2010, he received the Distinguished Speaker Award for the Mind Science Foundation. Mark has authored 12 books, including the national bestseller, How God Changed Your Brain, which Oprah selected as the nine must-read books of 2012. This man is here to guide us today into understanding our brain and understanding how we can change the capacity of our being through some simple ways of viewing and exercising and training our brain. So welcome, Mark Waldman, to Healing with the Masters. It's great having you back again. Oh, I am thrilled to be here this time. You're such a wonderful person, Jennifer. Thank you. Ah, uh, thank you. Yes, and you know, you you know, it takes one to know one, Mister Mister Mark. And and I love watching your brain in action. Just the the connections that you make in in seeing and uh, seeing opportunities and seeing ways of moving all of us into a new way of thinking literally and being from that thinking. So you've you've researched your research recently has uncovered some really astonishing discoveries about consciousness, about money, about happiness, about spirituality and the brain. And so I'd like to explore some of these topics with you. Um and to start with You've come up with this really cool way of looking at the brain and consciousness, and you call it the spectrum of human consciousness, including the six levels of awareness that you've identified in the human brain. I love this. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what this is and then maybe walk us through these six levels? Well, yes. I think for the last 40 years of my life, as many people have done, have wondered what in the world is this consciousness? What am I aware of? Why am I aware that I am aware? And if you go to PubMed.gov, the national databases for the uh, Library of Science and the Library of Congress, there are over 30,000 peer-reviewed journal articles going all the way back to 1870 talking about what is the nature of human consciousness. I mean, this has preoccupied individuals from the time of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and in the East, uh, Buddha and all of the rest of the spiritual practitioners of the world, and yet nobody has been able to put their finger on what human consciousness is, to the point that even Niels Bohr and some of the quantum physicists back in the 1930s began to assume that consciousness was so weird that maybe it's like quantum physics and it takes place on some odd universal level. And in Eastern philosophy, as many people know, consciousness is considered the fabric of the universe itself. Well, science can't show that consciousness is or is not the fabric of the universe. But neuroscience has been able to map out many different levels of human consciousness. So in a burst of spiritual epiphany, and quite recently, it was back in last September, 
and I was doing some, you know, delving deeply into these 37, 31,000 studies on human consciousness, I was able to orchestrate them into six primary levels. And for the last four months, Dr. Andrew Newberg and I have been testing it and experimenting with it. And it's going to be part, a core part of our next book uh, called Enlightenment and the Brain. So I'd like to share with the audience what these six levels of consciousness are because we all operate on the first four levels, but we have to do something different if we really want to reach a state that we're calling neurological enlightenment. Ooh, neurological what? enlightenment. I want some of that, Mark. Yes. <laughs> so I want you and all of our listeners to visualize a pyramid. And if you have a pen in your hand, I'd even like you to write this down. So on the bottom of the pyramid, I want you to just write down the word instinctual. And then above that, I want you to write the word habitual. Above that, I want you to write down the word intentional. Above that, write down the word creative. Above that, which would be level five, self-reflective. And then level six, transformational or enlightenment. So this is a pyramid going from the bottom up that we're writing. Yes. Okay, that's great. Mm -hmm. So again, now, that's instinctual, habitual, consciousness. Uh, intentional. Oh, intentional, creative, self-reflective, and transformational. Yes. Okay. Now, almost every creature, the moment it wakes up, enters into instinctual awareness. Whether you're a fish, a reptile, a chimpanzee or a human being we wake up in the morning we hear different sounds we smell different things we see different things in the environment and we voluntarily choose where to turn our head what to look at to go after for our survival oriented needs this is very very important to realize because now the majority of neuroscientists and there's even a Cambridge University declaration that we have to consider that all animals have a form of consciousness that's very similar to our own. I'm talking about going all the way down to the level of a fish or a frog or a snake. They may not have as much consciousness as we have, but they can voluntarily choose how to respond to the environment. This is instinctual awareness. This is the level in where we experience the world. This is the level of emotional experience. This is what, this is where we decide what interests us in the world, what frightens us in the world. This is the area of nurturing and caring. And on this level of consciousness, we can begin to invent specific types of exercises and strategies to strengthen our emotional intelligence. Hmm. For example, just stroking your hands and your arms will stimulate the self-awareness parts of your brain and will calm down emotional overreactiveness. So we can begin to just, like a meditation, begin to breathe in deeply. And everyone try it at home. Begin to stroke the palms of your hands, the back part of your hands, your forearms, the front and the back. And you'll notice that different parts of your arms and your hands create different types of sensations. If you are ever highly anxious before going into a meeting or going onto stage to talk 
or going into a hospital and you're feeling all of that stress, that stress is being generated from two levels. Not only your own instinctual awareness, the actual fear of the unknown or a painful situation, but other levels of consciousness as well. This gentle stroking of your hands and arms will calm you down faster than any other meditation technique that we've discovered out there so far. And there's an enormous amount of brain science behind this. So instead of tapping your way into enlightenment, you can stroke your way into a pleasurable state of being. The pleasure that's created from this releases dopamine, and dopamine actually increases consciousness. Now, as consciousness is increased, we enter the next level of human awareness, which is habitual consciousness or awareness. Hey, Mark, I was, just, I was just thinking that, you know, that the instinctual piece of us that automatically strokes someone's arm, is that kind of part of, 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 of this idea of this process? Yes, it turns out that Jack Panksepp has been researching uh, human and animal emotions for many decades. And caring and nurturing is a primary emotional level. If, you, if an animal does not get enough stroking and preening and touching and caring, their brain will not develop, they will not develop social skills, they will not know how to feel love and care mm. for somebody else. The same thing for children. It's incredibly important, as most people know, that children need gentle touch and caring. But what we believe, we believe, particularly in America, we come from this Puritan framework, this very conservative Christian Protestant attitude that said that self-pleasure is a distraction from the higher levels of enlightenment. And so there's a lot of taboos against touch, sensuality. It's called hedonism, and hedonism had a bad name. We now know that hedonism is absolutely essential for the growth and development of a young child's brain. Wow, th but it's it, amazing because just touching my arm and my hand, uh, you know, I, I, I get a little nervous when I talk to you because I respect you so much and I, I want to make sure that I, you know, serve you at the highest levels and and I have to tell you, just I wish I'd known that before we started. <laughs> now I feel great, Mark. Thanks. And then you can add this to your breathing and yawning and stretching. So it's the right. same thing. Right. We find we find that instead of going to yoga, if you want to increase your spiritual practice or your meditation practice, start to in slow motion move and stretch your arms and your head and your legs in the most pleasurable way possible. This slow movement actually pushes you all the way up to level five consciousness, self-reflective awareness, because the slower that you move, the more awareness you become of your body, of the instinctual levels of experiencing the world. As we do this, however, as we go out into the world, we learn new habits and behaviors. So, for example, if I'm going to eat my bowl of soup, I'm not really aware of how I'm holding my spoon. I'm not really paying attention to the subtle colors within that bowl of soup. I'm eating habitually. Mm. So, as you go up the evolution of animal consciousness, the bigger your brain, the more memories you have. And so, as soon as you, you know, that's, that's the next step after instinctual awareness, we begin to 
form all kinds of habits, good and mm. bad habits. Now, this falls into unconscious behavior. We're barely aware of our instinctual levels of awareness. You really have to do a lot of work to be in touch with your true emotions. For most people, when they think they're in touch with their emotions, they're not in touch with their emotions. They're in touch with their memories from previous ex emotional experiences. So, you know, I look at, you know, I look at going into a, a meeting and I'm a little anxious, I'm feeling a little insecure. What I'm actually doing is experiencing my memories, not the actual present situation. I'm thinking about all the times that I blew it in a previous meeting or whatever else. I'm operating on habitual and instinctual awareness. And I'm going to explain to everybody how easy it is to interrupt that in just a moment. The next level of awareness, so again, you know, a reptile or a snake doesn't have much of a memory circuit. So they're basically dealing with the world on an instinctual level. But still, they have intention. That snake decides it wants to go eat that mouse. That mouse, you know, it's going to weigh into its own body. Am I hungry? Do I have room for a mouse or whatever else? How do I move towards that mouse? And it will operate instinctually, but intentionally to go get that mouse. And that's the same for what you and I do in almost every action. You're picking up the phone. You're calling me. I'm sitting here. I'm wanting to explain the six levels of human consciousness to everyone. This is my conscious intention. I'm not necessarily aware of my feelings and emotions. If I went back to start stroking my arms and yawning and stretching, you and I and all of our listeners will forget about what it is that I'm talking about. We'll be immersed into the present moment. Wow. Okay, so don't do that. <laughs> well, it's absolutely essential. You don't want to drive you don't want to drive your car while you're doing mind wandering and daydreaming. Right, you right. don't want to be in a spiritual realm. You want to be very focused. You want to intentionally go after your goal. The interesting thing is is that we're not even conscious of our consciousness. We're not even conscious of what our intention is. Now, here's what happens. When we are working on a project, when we are working towards achieving a goal, this takes a lot of neurological energy, but the front part of your brain, remember, remember when I said that pleasure releases dopamine and dopamine actually invents and creates consciousness in your frontal lobes, but only a small part of your frontal lobes light up as you deliberately choose how to move your body, how to go after your goal, how to achieve it, how to evaluate uh, the situation if you happen to fail to if you fail to reach your goal. So here you can see that almost every animal that we know of is operating on instinctual, habitual, and what I'm calling everyday consciousness, intentional awareness. But we can't stay focused for very long. The brain gets tired very quickly. And so what does our brain do after doing a little bit of work for about two or three or four or five minutes? It does the one thing that our teachers told us never to do in school. It goes off in mind wanders. It goes in daydreams. We now know that this mind wandering state is the most important element for maintaining a healthy brain. When you concentrate on something very intensely, you use up all of the neurochemicals necessary to achieve your goals. 
you have to go into a resting state of consciousness. And here's the really, really cool thing. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. So I'm going to ask you and all of our listeners, I'm going to ask you to listen to the sound of this bell. Because what I'm going to do first is I'm going to use this bell, and this is part of of what we call brain-based experiential learning and living, and yes, that abbreviates the bell. I want you to listen to the sound of this bell as deeply as you can. This means that your concentration has to become focused. This is going to pull you into the best functioning level of level three of intentional everyday consciousness. Are you ready? Yes. Let's Let's begin. Take a deep breath in, yawn, stretch, make yourself very, very relaxed. Even begin to stroke your hands and arms if you want as you listen to the sound of this bell. Listen with all of your intention. you keep listening, the more you become aware of all the different sounds in the room, or you become aware of the sound of your own breathing. Now you've become aware of instinctual consciousness. You're highly focused. You're in the present moment. And now in this state, what I'm going to ask you to do is to totally relax your mind Let it daydream. Let it wander to wherever you want to go. And just pay attention to all of the different thoughts and feelings that flow through your mind. And Jennifer, I'm going to use you as my guinea pig. Uh Uh-oh. So I'm going to ask you to stay aloud each thought or feeling that pops into your mind. Okay? Okay. And everyone listening can do the same thing as to just pay attention to your own thought and feeling. And after a particular thought or feeling has come out, and just use 10 words or less, there's a specific reason why we want to keep our conversations brief. I'm going to ring the bell again, bring you back into this centered present moment, and then ask you to pay attention to the next thought or feeling that comes up. So are you ready? Yeah. Deep breath in, everyone. Even yawn a few times. Oh, yawning still is the best way in the world to calm down an overly busy brain. Listen to the sound of the bell. You become focused, coming into the present moment. You're turning on levels one and three. And what's the first thought or feeling that comes to your mind? Um, Am I going to ask the right questions? Beautiful. Level two of consciousness. That's your habitual consciousness. That's your memories and your learned behavior. Mm. That's all of your old thoughts of, am I going to ask the right question? Am I going to do the right thing? And how many times have you had that thought? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
So what you need to know is that you're just operating from your memories. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with reality. Mm -hmm. But all you say to yourself is, this is just a thought. The thought is not real. I let it go. I listen to the sound of the bell. I come back into the present moment. Notice that all of your anxiety will fall away. And then pay attention to the next thought or feeling that comes into your mind. Uh, the next thought was about uh, my cat, if he's going to be okay. Again, another worrisome thought. All worrisome thoughts are memories. Is your cat actually okay right this second? Yes. Why are you worrying about what might happen down the road? Right. Where does this worry come from? Why do we give it so much weight? So one can begin to understand how easy it is for us to get trapped in habitual consciousness, which is just based upon intentions and experiences from the past. We're not in the present moment. If we're not in the present moment, we can't proceed to get the goals and desires we want. Every animal, except for human beings, are instinctually aware and they know what they intentionally want in the world. So here's what I want to ask you to do now. I'm going to push you into creative consciousness. I want you to go into the deepest state of relaxation. I want you to begin to stroke your arms and palms and move around. And I want you to invite all of the creative voices, because our brain is filled with inner speech and dialogue, to kind of speak up. And I want you to have that beautiful sense of imaginary fantasy world that every child lives in for the first 10 years of their life. And we forget that this is an important part of today's consciousness. And what's the first fantasy that comes into your mind that gives you a sense of pleasure? First thing that pops into mind? Uh, my fairy friends <laughs> going into the woods. <laughs> Great. And I'm just visualizing going into the woods itself because I love nature. Nature is an incredibly grounding way. It brings us in touch with our instinctual awareness again. And now we let that float away and we, because the thing about mind wandering and creative consciousness is that it's constantly pulling up all kinds of thoughts and images and fantasies, but what it's actually doing, it's actually reconsolidating our brain. So every time we're working on an important project, we need to take a break every 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes and deliberately choose to kick back in our chairs, relax, and do daydreaming. And what you see in a brain scan is that you see the whole brain begins to light up. So let your whole brain light up. It's like brainstorming, literally. And let your thoughts and imagination and fantasies go as wild as they can. And what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Well, um, it's it's like the um, old days of shamanic journeying. It's like I I, I went into this the universe, <laughs> and yes. it was just light and support and love and yeah, it that, was like some of the images from the Hubble telescope, you know. Exactly. 
this is the this is level four creative consciousness where imagination daydreams and restful mind wandering takes place it's the place of magical thinking it's the place where our minds are filled with einsteins and frankensteins frankensteins are all of the possible fears we can imagine and that takes place in your right frontal lobe over in your left frontal lobe it's constantly generating new ideas creative solutions and here's the cool thing about intentional everyday consciousness. It can only hold about four chunks of information that's about 10 words or less for about 10 seconds. So we only have a choice. We can either focus on our worries, anxieties, and fears and doubts, or we can consciously and deliberately shift our minds into the positive creative fantasies that are going on in the left frontal lobe at all times. We can't do both. We can bounce back and forth. Oh, I feel great. Oh, maybe something terrible is going to happen tomorrow. Oh, I can solve that. Oh, no, you can't. And you will find out that you can actually create this inner dialogue between your right and left frontal lobes, the negative voice inside of you, the positive voice inside of you, the optimist and the pessimist the Einstein and the Frankenstein. And when you engage in the dialogue between these two voices, which is a key element in my neurocoaching and the neurowisdom programs that we are creating right now, you can solve problems in three or four or five minutes that take most therapists three or four or five hours to go through. Wow. But understand that what I'm asking you to do and listening and for everyone who's listening you're watching all of these fantasies go on in your mind. This is self-reflective awareness. This is one of the things that may be unique to human beings. We don't know even if a chimpanzee thinks that much about their thoughts. They all have fantasies and dreams. Dogs and cats dream. We even have evidence that uh, reptiles and fish may dream. So we all enter this state and... Neuroscience believes that dreaming is a process of taking all of the things that we've experienced during the day and in its own language, which is not word-based, it reorganizes it, builds it into our memory system so that we can learn from these experiences so we don't have to think so hard the next time we want to do something creative, inventive, or experimental. But if you deliberately and consciously choose to watch all of these fantasies and thoughts and feelings that are going on in your mind. This is the practice of mindfulness. This, our brain scan studies show, begin to grow the brain in different ways. It'll actually thicken the neocortex in areas that will help you stay more cognitively sharp and focused as you age. It will increase the neurological density in the insula and anterior cingulate, this means that you actually consciously develop more self-awareness, more social awareness, more empathy, more kindness and compassion towards yourself, and more kindness and compassion for the other individuals. So with this spectrum of human consciousness, we can now design specific exercises to move a person in and out of everyday consciousness into creative consciousness. We can quickly teach a person 
how to do mindfulness practices. And we interrupt a basic rule because we feel that mindfulness, although it's been around for 30 years with great research, you do not, and we believe you should not meditate for 20, 30, 40 minutes, once or twice a day. So instead, our new mindfulness training program is that you set a mindfulness clock up on your computer and you set it to ring two or three times during an hour. And during that time, all I want you to do is to take 10 seconds to yawn, breathe, stretch, do something that's really pleasurable, just a moment of restfulness as you move yourself into creative consciousness. Be aware of that self-reflective awareness. And then once every hour, just to spend 60 seconds doing anything that gives you incredible satisfaction and joy. Run down to the end of the block and come back. Do one of your favorite affirmations for 60 seconds. That means at the end of the day, after 12 hours, you've put in 12 minutes of meditation practice, but you've integrated that practice into virtually every aspect of your life and most importantly into your work life. This makes your work far more satisfying when you bring pleasure into your work. Remember, the pleasure releases the dopamine. The dopamine increases consciousness. It helps you focus better. It drives you and makes you more successful at achieving your goals. Now, You've gone through these five levels of human consciousness. So here's the most incredible thing. How do you go to a level of enlightenment? And what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask everyone to listen to the sound of this deeper bell for a full 30 seconds. I want you to literally ask your unconscious mind, your creative mind, your intuitive mind to integrate everything I've said to you and I want you to ask your intuition at the end when the bell is totally faded away what is one key insight that you've had. I want you to deliberately and consciously push yourself into having an aha experience and this is how we train people to actually experience enlightenment in a strategic way. So if everyone's ready, again, yawn, stretch a little bit, stroke your hands and palms. Notice how it quickly brings you into the present moment. All anxieties and worries fade away, even if you have a real serious problem. To take a moment, this type of touch is incredible. And if focus on a sacred word, an inner value, a word that has deep meaning to your life, and you start repeating that, my word for today would be self-love and self-compassion. What word would you use for today, Jennifer? What would be your deepest, innermost value? Peace. Peace. Compassion. Peace. And whatever word you, the listener, who is coming up with, Start repeating that silently as you stroke your hands and palms if that feels pleasurable. You can also hold the sides of your face. You can stroke your head, your arms, your calves, your feet, whatever feels good. Trust your intuition. Keep repeating that word, compassion, peace, love, God, trust, whatever inner value comes to mind. 
And as you do this, I want you to know that you are turning on 1,200 stress-reducing genes. I'm going to ring the bell, continue to do any form of these exercises in any way that feels intuitively right as you listen as deeply as you can to the sound of this remarkable bell. Ask your intuition, which is guided by a very specific part of our brain that's barely developed prior to the age of 28. What is the biggest insight that you've gained from listening to this conversation? What small aha experience can you have that you can take with you at this very moment and bring it into the rest of today and use it for the rest of this week? Jennifer, what comes to your mind? Uh, this notion of intentional daydreaming. Yes. Isn't that yeah. incredible? It is the area of consciousness we've overlooked so enormously. We didn't even know how important this was until 2008 when we asked people just to, you know, just stay in a restful state while we do a brain scan and we see that the brain is more active. And we find out that the activity and the neurochemicals being released is the most refreshing experience for our brain. Why aren't we doing this for 10 seconds, two or three times every hour? Just to dip into that creativity for a few seconds is enough to motivate us for 40 minutes. This is the research from Herb Benson out of Harvard. Wow. So 10 seconds gives us 40 minutes of... of Innovation and creation. A cup, uh, two or three 10 second breaks during an hour. That's why we recommend a mindfulness clock. I'll have a, I'll have a, a really cool app on my, on my website. Uh, cool. Which, 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 you, which, you know, <laughs> uh, which you can use, which you, which you can use for this. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just uh, a couple of 10 second ones and then again once a minute to do something that is meditative, reflective, but in a pleasurable way. Pleasure is instinctual awareness. It brings you into the present moment that interrupts habitual consciousness, particularly those forms of bad behaviors and bad habits that we formed. It heightens our ability to stay focused in the present moment, but we have to deliberately and consciously choose to go into creative levels of consciousness and self-reflective awareness, so we want to remain incredibly relaxed and just watch without judgment all of the creativity, positive and negative, that's coming up. And with all the worries and anxieties, everyone needs to know this. These are all memories. All you have to do is stop for one moment and look around the room and ask yourself, 
is there an actual threat to your existence right now? Right. 90% of the time, the answer is no. The 10% of the time that the answer is yes, you really don't want to get caught up in anxiety. You want to become incredibly focused. You want to deliberately go into creative consciousness and start brainstorming and dreaming up potential solutions to the real problem that faces you. You can do it alone. It's even better when you do that with a friend or a colleague. So this is what I teach to executive MBA students at Loyola Marymount University. This is their required homework assignment. And next year, they're going to be introduced to the 10 principles of brain-based learning. And they're going, and their homework assignment for the next 58 days is to guide themselves through these one to seven minute to ten minute exercises once each day and to reflect on throughout the day because these busy executives we've been able to demonstrate in the last five years it lowers their stress it increases work productivity they begin to bring deep personal values into the business world they begin to influence their employees we begin to change the corporate structure of America so that we're all a little bit more enlightened, a little bit more transformed, because we're running our companies and our relationships from levels of kindness, compassion, intuitive trust. We're using the inner wisdom that's inside and built inside of every human brain to make ourselves a better person and to make the world a better place in which to live. Oh, amen. You know, Mark, I... I've been thinking about uh, a lot of these practices. Well, first of all, um, I've noticed um, in the last six to eight months that there are more and more practices that don't require as much time but are actually more powerful in amping things up. And this feels like a brilliant example that, um, you know, just 60 seconds every hour or every 40 minutes can change everything. I mean, what what are the kind of things are you seeing that people are experiencing beyond? I mean, I know that you've talked about health, you've talked about abundance, that that we can actually change these things through these very simple exercises. Is that true? Oh, good lord, yes. Um, we uh, we have. It's particularly effective for reducing worry, fear, doubt, procrastination. All but falls away. There's two kinds of procrastination. One procrastination is being driven by fear. I'm just afraid that I will fail. The other procrastination is simply I don't have enough information to act on. But on one hand, the human brain is not very attuned to reality itself. We live more in an inner reality than we do in the outer reality. It's very difficult to be in touch with instinctual awareness that is, you know, that really is responding to the world as it's unfolding in the moment. We can train ourselves to do that through creative consciousness and self-reflective awareness. When you do so, study after study shows that your anxiety levels drop, your depression is lowered, self-esteem is boosted, and the coolest thing is, because because I teach people how to shift back and forth between the pessimistic side of their brain that's always generating negative thoughts and the optimistic side of their brain that's always generating positive thoughts, how to have deliberate control over that. You can't stop yourself from having negativity, but if you sit back and watch while you stroke your hands and remain in this pleasurable state, what happens is that the memory of your anxiety, remember because most worries and fears and doubts are from 
events that have happened in your past. A memory is recalled, and then whatever experience you're having in the present moment is built into that memory as it's reconsolidated. So if you're staying deeply relaxed and you're doing something very pleasurable or you're repeating a very strong affirmation as you bring up a really awful event from the past, this is what's getting built into the memory, and that gets reconsolidated. We never recall the same memory twice. This is really, really important. Now, with really strong traumatic types of memories, uh, a person will need to have, you know, an hour or two of more personal coaching and direction through this because it's easy for our minds to become so overwhelmed by the fear that our memory is going to become a reality that you need somebody else to interrupt that. But we use these same strategies for interrupting it. We give a person, we have a person create what's called a crap board. You write down every weakness and worry and fear and doubt and problem you think you have on a sheet of paper. And then I guide the individual through these focusing, relaxation, mindfulness exercise. And as you gaze at that sheet of paper with all of the negativity on it, your brain does something very interesting. It's called dissociation. It sees all of your own problems on a sheet of paper. It no longer feels like it's inside of you. You're now free to go back to work. So you don't ever throw away your crap board. You keep it posted up right next to your vision board and your skills board and your accomplishment board. These are other boards that, that I've built into the NeuroWisdom program that are absolutely essential for everyone to use. These little strategic exercises, they only take 10, 15 minutes to do, and you leave them posted on your wall, and they remind you how good your life is, how much you've actually accomplished, and this just demolishes all of the imaginary crap you've written onto your crap board. <laughs> I love that. So essentially, we put it outside ourselves, and then we train ourselves through this method of the bell and moving from that instinctual up to the transformation that you actually got, already have guided us through today um, yes. into a new state of, of uh, relationship with those, with those perceptions we have of ourselves that aren't necessarily true. Yes, and I've taught everyone how to intellectually understand the spectrum of human consciousness. We need to have an intellectual reason before we're going to change behavior. And but why do we? Why does the mind have to engage in that way? I'm curious about this. From I know this. One of my practices I often do in my own healing work is I talk to myself. I talk to the people I'm coaching from a cognitive perspective first, and then it feels like there's this opening into a deeper level of being, what I call the sacred chamber in the heart. So yeah. what's going on there? You're dealing with everyday consciousness or intentional awareness. In other words, I see. here you are. I'm going to have you have an experiential. Um, I'll guide you and everyone through this thing. I want you to imagine that you're going up a huge ladder. It's maybe three stories tall. It's a diving board. And you're going to move to the edge of that diving board, and you're going to jump or dive into that into the pool down below. Okay. Now, what's going on in your mind? Logic and reason <laughs> is saying, you know, it, you know, it's. Uh, I'm terrified of heights. So, really good example, Mark. <laughs> so am I. So, so, okay. so, 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 Here so we for are. you, it's, it's it's a three foot diving board. <laughs> and and by the way, this is how you decondition something like that. You don't uh. push. You never push yourself into the trauma. So uh, I'm afraid of heights too. 
and you it's called exposure therapy. So you go up one step and you look around. Does it feel safe? Great. Right. Go up to step number two. Does it feel safe? Great. Go up to step number three. Step number three feels anxious. Mm-hmm. Don't push yourself beyond that. Go back okay. down to step number two. You're done for the entire day. The next day, go up to step number two or three. Maybe by day six, you can go up to, to number five. You don't have to push yourself through this, and you have to, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes take some time and relax and just learn how to condition yourself, and you diffuse the memory itself. Most of the time, we're reacting to the memory, not what's actually happening. But once you get up into that board and you go to the edge, you still don't want to jump off the pool. You want to use your logic and reason. First of all, is there water in the pool? Second, is it deep enough? Now that you have all the intellectual experience, you still have to deal with the fact that you're going to jump off a diving board. Human bodies are not just like dogs and cats. They don't like the idea of falling, okay? That's an instinctual response. Uh, right. Fear of falling is is what's behind fear of heights usually, by the way. And uh, at that particular point, you have to ask yourself, I'm feeling excitement before I jump off. Is this excitement frightening? Well, why do it? Unless you have to. But if it's kind, of, this is kind of fun and I'm kind of interested and I really want to feel that water, now you're using your creative imagination. Gee, this could be really cool. I have enough courage to do it. Then you jump off, you experience that fall, you hit the water, and you succeed. If you do a belly flop, you don't succeed. Now you have to decide, hmm, do I want to redo that, figure out what I did wrong? But when you go back up on the ladder, you've got your old memory of doing a belly flop. Ooh, you feel a little paralyzed. Now you do all of these creative, intentional, and meditation types of things. Relax, feel your body, whatever else. Sometimes when I have a fear of heights and I'm in a situation and I have to do that, I simply say, I keep repeating, I have the confidence. I know I can do this. I have the confidence. And the human brain is kind of funny. Every thought we have goes to the thalamus, and the thalamus assumes that that's a reality and sends that message to the rest of your brain and then it calms down your amygdala and wow. suddenly you're less reactive. That's pretty cool. <laughs> wow, this is a, a, an amazing experience. I mean, my body and my being right now feels different. So I've been yawning a lot, I've noticed, and I feel like really way more relaxed than when I started. Is is um, is that really a, um, what the kind of things we can expect when we start doing these very simple exercises? Yes. I want a person each day to listen to a different experiential lesson. You know, first you deeply relax. You listen to the bell because it really helps to it – ha- uh, a new study just came out showing that listening to this type of bell will deepen the relaxation process. But what it does is enhance the concentration process. Most people don't know how to concentrate. We all have kind of ADD-like brains. So listening to this bell as deeply as possible, it's a new experience. We immerse ourselves in that sound. We discover we're in the present moment, something that we rarely experience in day-to-day living. Then one of the key elements in experience in brain-based learning is that you have to keep your lessons brief. Remember, the brain is only going to be able to hold on to about 10 key chunks of information for about 10 or 20 seconds. Most of the problems and fears and doubts and worries that we have, these are memories being recalled into the present moment. So it's actually very it's actually very easy to show a person that it's a memory, how to interrupt that memory. And the moment you interrupt that memory, you're dealing with the real problem at hand. Mm, we right. deprive ourselves from pleasure. That's why there's so much emphasis on 
on pleasurable ways to do meditations and thinking about these types of exercises. And we're always emphasizing, and it's a very important part of uh, brain-based learning, always trust your intuition. If one exercise doesn't ring a bell, literally, uh, for you, um, <laughs> pass on it. But what right. we're teaching people to do is don't, you know, one of the things that's very important to know in how the brain learns, you have to relax first. And so the bell entrainment helps with that. You have to take in your lessons very briefly. And then after you've concentrated on the lesson and you've tried the experiential exercise, then kick back for a minute or two and just daydream and mind wander. Then you use your journals just to write down whatever intuitive thoughts pop into mind. You'll oftentimes have aha experience. Writing is a key important element in making changes. You can think about it. That uses one part of your brain. You can talk about it. That uses another part of your brain. You can read about it. That stimulates another part of your brain. But writing about it is one of the most important parts. So this program includes all of that, along with the suggestion that after you've done one of these exercises, go teach it to somebody else. Pass it on. In that experience of passing on this neural wisdom to someone else, it really takes it on into a deeper level for yourself. And when you talk about meaning and purpose in life, anytime we give somebody else another tool, and these tools are so simple, that improves their life. I mean, this works for 12-year-olds as, as well as it does 72-year-olds. What a joy to know that we've helped out our friends and colleagues at work. It's so important that the president of the College of Business at LMU you know, has endorsed this particular program. That's why all of my students, you know, it's part of their requirement. Their homework assignment is simple. Uh, you, in my class, you only get an A or an F. You listen to all the programs. Tell, tell me what your three favorite ones were and why and what your three least favorite ones are and why. And you get an A. Don't do it. You get an F. That's actually, <laughs> this, this is actually the rules of, of my class. It's called neural wow. leadership. Right. And then, and then, and then they're, then they're asked to brainstorm about how they can bring this into the corporate environment. We have found that it is the business world that has really picked up on all of this and in Time Magazine. It's called the Mindfulness Revolution. Andy Newberg and I, along with Richie Davidson and Dan Siegel and half a dozen other people, so we are the world's leading researchers in mindfulness and meditation. And this is just a combination of the best strategies from positive psychology, contemplative neuroscience, and cognitive behavioral therapies. So, for example, I'll introduce you to the Daily Commitment Sheet, which has seven of the best tested strategies for making sure that you achieve your goals. You start out with a very simple goal. You write down your goal. You write down three ways in which you could sabotage yourself from that goal during that day. This is incredible if you want to lose weight, for example. Then you write down three counter strategies. Then you take your values word and you do an exercise like this. And this is one of my most favorite exercises for everyone to do. Cool. Pick, pick one of your value words like peace or love. And you can do an exercise. I breathe in peace. I breathe out love. I breathe in peace. I breathe out love. Or you can breathe out a negative quality. I breathe in peace. I breathe out stress. I was doing this exercise one time, and I was so immersed in the exercise, I didn't pay attention to that the garage door was halfway open. 
and I hit it right on the bridge of my nose, and I split my nose open. I didn't know that at the time. At first, I hit it. My normal response was not to say, I breathe in peace. It was to say something <laughs> very, very different. And I said, I breathe in peace. I breathe out stress. I breathe in peace. I breathe out stress. I went, hey, this is cool. Uh, wow. I'm not feeling as stressed out. Then I looked yeah. down on my shirt, and it's covered with blood. I breathe in peace. I breathe out love. I breathe in peace. I breathe out stress. And I go to the bathroom, and I look in the mirror, and that's where I see that I peeled half my nose back. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know if I tape it down, uh, you know, it'll, it'll heal in a day or two. I take off my glasses, and I pick up this little tiny bottle of iodine. Only I picked up the wrong bottle. I picked up callus remover. Oh, callus no. remover is acid. And oh. I put acid on my oh. open wound. Ah, oh, I breathe in peace. I breathe out stress. I breathe in peace. <laughs> Here's what happens when you do that. Uh-huh. The research shows that you exterminate the ability, you eliminate the ability of your brain to form a negative memory. So this is how you stop yourself from being traumatized. Right. You can use these strategies to deal with real-life painful situations. So if you're going in to the dentist's office and whatever else, there are, you can use many of these strategies to eliminate the anticipatory anxiety because the, the, the fantasies that something bad will happen is, will create a traumatic memory. Right. Here's a technique for doing that, and you have that right in your daily commitment sheet. And then at the end of each day, you don't ever make a list of the things that you failed at during the day. These are the two key exercises that come out from positive psychology. You write down three things you did well that day and why. Mm, This, if you do just for seven days, Uh will increase yourself. Your self-esteem will continue to grow over the next three months and stay stable for the next three months following that. You are such the, a bevy of these remarkable tips. Okay, so I breathe in peace, our, our, no, our noble quality. I breathe out either stress or love. That's one. And then at the end of the day, we write down everything that we, three things that we accomplished. Three things First, we did well. We did well. We did well. It doesn't we even well. be about accomplishment. Not even accomplishment. Got it. You start, did well. You know, on all this is on one sheet of paper. That's why it's a daily commitment sheet. Right. And so when you do this, what you want to start out is with little tiny goals. The brain could care less whether it's a big goal or a little goal. If you succeed at a little goal, you get that burst of dopamine. You've enhanced <laughs> and enriched your consciousness. You become more motivated. So why not do a bunch of little tiny goals? You become so good at it, you'll want to take on larger and larger goals. Wow. And then the last part of the sheet is to write down three things you feel grateful for for that day. Uh, because, again, yeah. that basically will take an anxiety-ridden brain and turn you into an overly optimistic, self-confident individual who it won't matter what failures or successes you have, you're going to feel so utterly alive in everything that you do. And that's called having life purpose, meaning, and life satisfaction. And that's Mm -hmm. what our brain scan research shows. You'll actually begin to see the changes in structure and function that increase confidence, self-esteem, compassion, love, better emotional control. We need that to survive. Most of the time we just bounce back and forth between, you know, between our habitual, uh, our habits and our behaviors and we, and we do some daydreaming, but everyone has told us that daydream is bad for, for us. So we're kind of limited. 
But the moment we're given that permission to really tap into the creative realms of our imagination and all we have to do is to watch it as we stay relaxed and aware, that's where the insights come in, the aha experiences. It not only transforms your life, but it permanently changes the reality centers in your brain. Wonderful. Wow. Um, thank you, Mark. I just adore you so much. I love watching your brain work and um, watching you trigger all of our brains to think and be different um, so that we might move into a higher state of being. Um, this has just been a, a beautiful call. I've really, really enjoyed it. And as I said, I feel different, and, and I, I can feel the audience is feeling different, too, is feeling um, a new state of possibility. I'm even feeling this wave of hope that is moving through people's hearts. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being part of our very special roster for this powerful uh, 13th season of Healing with the Masters. Thank you, Mark Waldman, for hanging out with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for being part of this powerful series. Thank you for joining us and sharing with us your intentions, which brings forward the content from all of our speakers. I love you. I'm so honored to play with you, delighted that you're playing with us in this journey of life for as brief or as long as you're with us. We are enjoying your company. We love hearing from you. Please tell us how you're doing and how the shows are going for you. Much love to everyone, and thanks so much for hanging out with us. Until next time, bye now. And remember, if you'd like to join us for any of our live shows, just register absolutely free at hwtmpodcast.com. That's H-W-T-M as in Healing with the Masters, podcast.com. Come and join us. Just register for the current live season.